Hey, and welcome to the Neurodivergent Musician Podcast, where I explore the world of neurodiversity and musicianship. I'm your host, John Hart, along with Luna, my guitar, and today I'll be talking about sensory overload. Each episode is broken up into a Trafalite format, where I'll share insights in the red section, improvised babble in the amber, and recommendations you might find handy in the green. So let's head on over to the red section for more insights. Okay, sensory overload occurs when our senses receive an overwhelming amount of stimuli, pushing us beyond our comfort zones. While it can affect anyone, neurodivergent or not, it may be more common and intense experience for individuals with certain conditions like autism or ADHD. Sensory overload can manifest in various ways, such as loud noises, bright lights, crowded spaces, strong smells, or even physical sensations like touch. It's as if our sensory filters become overwhelmed, amplifying everything around us. So why does sensory overload happen? The reasons vary since each person is unique. However, there are several contributing factors. Firstly, our brains may process sensory information differently. For instance, individuals with autism spectrum disorder might have heightened sensitivity to certain sounds or textures. Secondly, our environment plays a crucial role. Noisy concerts, bustling city streets, or cluttered workspaces can all contribute to overwhelming sensory experiences. Lastly, our emotional state can influence how we process sensory input. When we're stressed, anxious, or fatigued, we become more susceptible to sensory overload. Now let's shift our focus to strategies for managing sensory overload. Although it's not always possible to completely avoid overwhelming situations, there are ways to alleviate its impact. The first step is self-awareness. By recognizing our personal sensory triggers and understanding how we react to them, we can better anticipate and prepare for overwhelming situations. Another valuable tool is sensory regulation, which involves finding ways to modulate and balance our sensory experiences. Some individuals find comfort in using noise-canceling headphones or wearing sunglasses to reduce the impact of excessive stimuli. Others might benefit from deep pressure or grounding techniques to provide a sense of calm. Experimenting with different methods will help you discover what works best for you. Self-care is a powerful tool. Taking care of ourselves physically, mentally and emotionally can help mitigate the impact of overwhelming sensory experiences. Prioritize activities that promote relaxation and well-being, such as engaging in hobbies, practicing mindfulness or meditation, and ensuring you get enough restorative sleep. Developing self-awareness is crucial as well. Pay attention to your body's signals and cues. Notice how different environments, situations, or stimuli affect you. 
Are there any specific sounds, lights, or textures that trigger sensory overload for you? Creating a sensory-friendly environment is another effective strategy. Modify your living or working space to reduce sensory input. Introduce soft lighting, use curtains or blinds to control natural light, reduce clutter and incorporate soothing elements like plants or aromatherapy. Building a toolkit of sensory regulation techniques can also be immensely helpful. Experiment with different sensory tools and techniques to find what works best for you. For instance, deep pressure can provide a sense of grounding and stability. You can try using weighted blankets, compression clothing, or engaging in activities like yoga or tai chi. Some individuals find fidget toys or stress balls helpful for redirecting excess sensory energy. Others may benefit from sensory diets, which involve engaging in specific activities to manage sensory input throughout the day. And communication is key in navigating sensory overload. Let others know about your experiences, needs and boundaries. Educate your friends, family and colleagues about sensory overload and how it affects you. Establishing a network of people who are aware and accommodating of your sensory sensitivities can make a significant difference in your overall well-being. And lastly, embrace your neurodivergent identity as a strength. Recognize that your heightened sensory experiences can bring a unique perspective to your life. Use your sensitivity to connect deeply with the world around you and appreciate its intricacies. Allow your sensory experiences to enhance your creative expression and embrace the beauty that arises from a neurodivergent mind. Remember, managing sensory overload is an ongoing journey of self-discovery and adaptation. Be patient with yourself and celebrate the progress you make along the way. By incorporating self-care, self-awareness, communication and embracing your neurodivergent identity, you can navigate sensory overload and create a harmonious balance between your sensory experiences and your passions. So that's it for the red section. We're now going to go into the amber section with my improvised babble. See you then. Okay, so we're now into the amber section. I'm going to go through my improvised babble. So when I think of sensory overload, I think of when I'm at home and there seems to be a sense of calm in some areas, especially with a, a young family and with children. And there's lots of other things going on. Maybe you've got, you know, there's lots of other senses going on. Maybe it's indoors in the house or it's outside. But I tend to sort of, it tends to flare up a lot more, which might sound obvious, but it's, it's trying to notice these triggers when there's an argument kicking off or there's something else going on. And, you know, obviously that can, 
you know, release um, maybe lots of different emotions from anger, sadness, or whatever it is, and all the insecurities and those sensitivities can really just spark. But I think sometimes when you're leading into sensory overload, what has been happening in your day? Have you, you know, did you did you go to bed late last night and then not have a good night's sleep? And then you woke up in the morning feeling groggy. And then because you're groggy, you then go and eat something, you know, for breakfast that's maybe not healthy. And then you have numerous amounts of caffeine because you're trying to wake yourself up. And then all of these kind of little stress bubbles are starting to build up through the day. And I talked about this in previous episodes with stress, anxiety, burnout and things. And I think sensory overload is is thrown in the mix there because you can have these kind of, you know, stress signals, anxiety signals. And, you know, then it obviously leads into the bigger stuff. But I think on the physical side of things, especially with sensory, if I'm in the wrong room, you know, we could be having a really deep conversation. But then I realized I'm in the middle of the kitchen, for instance, and the kitchen has so many distractions going on. Um, You've got the lights and one light might be flickering. And then I have this um, particular pain in my shoulder on the left side. And, you know, this was a result of bad posture with my guitar playing, lifting weights. And I slept on a sofa bed for, for a whole year, which, you know, is another subject. But because it was quite an old sofa bed, it, it, it damaged my shoulder and I had to have physio. And I think when you put, I tried to go to the gym to sort of lift weights to strengthen this, but maybe I was pulling too much. And then when I'm playing guitar, you know, other people blamed it on weights and guitar, but actually it was a result of lots of things. It was also the result of me not looking after myself. So I had low morale at the time. But anyway, I've I've always had a bit of a dodgy shoulder ever since. And that is the first thing that flares up. And I was told recently, you know, when you do get a pain in your body, try not to instantly try to cure it. Try to sit with it. Try to sit with the pain and just, you know, because it's it's almost like if you push a negative thought away, if you just discard it, it will come back. Whereas if you rise above it and you kind of like you you're you're aware it's there, but actually you then start to think about it positively, or you just see the negative thought as a negative thought, and you see the pain as a pain, it actually can dis- you know it can actually dissolve. Not all the time, depends on the severity of, of that pain. But that that is sometimes one of my trigger warnings that I'm going into, you know, stress, I'm going into anxiety or I'm going into sensory overload here. And when we're in the middle of an argument, maybe we're a family argument or there's a disagreement or even worse, when we're on a car journey. And I've spoken about this, I think, in previous episodes, but um, the car journey especially a family car journey is is probably the hardest for sensory overload because one you're in the car and it depends on the type of year if you are in the middle of winter it's freezing cold and you're trying to warm up and then you've got lots of layers on you pump on the heating and the heating's really you know artificial and it's obviously not it's not real that can affect your breathing and and then you might have 
put on the heating too long so you've got lots of layers on so you then become instantly uncomfortable but then you've got the children behind demanding lots of stuff and you know which is quite right after a long journey sometimes and and then my wife's then sorting out the kids and I'm trying to drive but then there's lots of things distractions going on with the driving and then you know I I haven't drank enough or I've drunk too much so in the toilet there's so many things going on in a family journey that can be incredibly stressful and it can very quickly trigger sensory overload. So when I start going to sensory overload, there is uh, the temperature. So I I have prickly heat. So the worst time I ever had it was I was on a plane. It, this was before children, which is very hard to think about before. <laughs> when you have children, you kind of go, did we have a life before children? I, I don't know. And um, But anyway, it was my wife and I, I can't remember where we were going. But there was a point on the plane where there was a sort of a pressure change uh, and, you know, the temperature change or whatever it was. And it was it triggered massively. And it was like someone tipped a bucket of ants over me. And I wasn't scratching or anything as well. I just held on to the, ar- the, you know, the arms of the seats, clenching as hard as I could for, to allow this to pass and then my wife got me a glass of water but she didn't know what to do in that situation she just tried to calm me down um but that can be one of the sensory you know one, one of the senses just overloading itself and that can be just temperature change it can be when you have those sort of british british weather days where you've got rain and sun and sometimes sleet and snow all in one day and it's all over the place uh, and that can trigger that but when you're in the car so your your temperature can start going up and down fluctuating and then you've got this taste and i've had this taste where it feels like um sort of that battery taste so if you've bit your lip or you've you know you've cut yourself and then you go and use your saliva to try and sort of cure it but you get that kind of sort of metallic taste I I get that as well. And it's really heightened uh, with taste and anything I do try, you know, whether I'm in the car, you know, a piece of fruit, I can taste the acidity of it really, really quickly. And so that's two senses going off. You've got this kind of, you've got this temperature gauge going and then you've got your taste and then you go to the smell and then you, you can start smelling, you can start smelling water, which is the most ridiculous thing. But you can you can smell sort of the dustiness you can you can sense you know if there's sort of like the air con- air con coming through you can smell the air and and it's really really heightened so if there is something that we've got with us you know sandwiches that's got something like fish or whatever it is i can i can really smell it and because my taste buds have heightened my temperature gauge has heightened then i f- i feel like you know, my face is then starting to twitch and it feels like I've had too much coffee, but there is just this twitching sort of side of it that I can't stop. And it used to be really bad. And it depends on how stressed the situation is. But then, then I get, it's almost like tinnitus. You get that kind of kick in and 
then my eyes start to go blurry or glossy. And this is why I start to feel really, really tired in the car. And no amount of caffeine or sugar or or water or whatever it is can stop me feeling like that. And, you know, I've struggled on journeys in the car before in the past with with regards to tiredness. And I think it's just the sensory overload, the overwhelm of what's going on in the car. And that can sometimes bleed into the house and, you know, so many things going on. And, you know, I remember as a kid, as a child growing up, I was sneaky and I, you know, you often <laughs> say with young children, if they go quiet, something's going on. Um, my kids are like that, you know, and, and that's, that's what kids are like. And they're curious and they push the boundaries and they do these things. But if you start, if you're stressed about work and then maybe you're stressed about life and you're stressed about outside things going on and so many of these balls are not in harmony, then an argument or, or someone drops something or we do something or whatever it is, or the tone from the other people in your house, if it, if it triggers a response, then the body then goes into sort of a mild survivor mode. And then it will, you know, I feel like it heightens all my senses and, and also my emotional senses as well. So there can be sensory overload, but I feel like sensory overload is in feelings and emotions as well. And, you know, if I'm met with any negativity, and this is really hard, this is what sort of blends into RSD and everything as well, and trying to get that understanding of it and trying to get to the trigger beforehand. But if I'm met with this is a problem first before we go to a solution, it's it's really hard. I can tell straight away I'm on the back foot and then all my senses start to build up and then some things start to build up inside. And then if the kids then come into the situation or something else happens in the situation, like we've got we've got rabbits and if the rabbits start jumping up and they start going over to other gardens, it's just these stress bubbles starting to add on top of it. But the physical sensations that you start to kind of feel, wow, I mean, Sometimes you don't know you're into sensory overload or sensory overwhelm until you're in it. And then when it comes to like the business, if, if there's not money coming into the account or if there's not, you know, you're not getting, you're setting up all these things and you're trying to manage it. You're trying to do everything you can, especially for a music career, but it's just not working or it's not coming in when, when you hoped it to come in. You know, and for instance, you know, this year um, after, after all the crises and after the year of, um, out, um, recovering, you know, that dented the business massively. So since January, 2023, I've been trying to build up the business, putting in support networks with, for, for teaching and for events. And then, you know, uh, hiring someone to be on the team and it's worked for parts of the year, but because I've been working alone, I took my eye off the ball and I haven't now got any work for the, the summer holidays. And the summer holidays has been a massive problem for years and years and years because I'm always like in the trenches during term time, but I'm not thinking ahead. I'm not planning ahead. And that's why sometimes with neurodivergent musicians or, you know, musicians who struggle, we need that extra help because we are creative. We, you know, we, we're visionaries and, you know, ideas and things. 
But sometimes that consistency and that main sort of consistent maintenance of our business and thinking forward of like, well, this money now has got to, it's got to spread over this amount of time. And then we've got to get bookings in or we've got to get work in for these periods. Sometimes it doesn't work like that. So when it hits a summer holiday and I'm like, oh, the kids are off. Oh, I've got no work. I've got like this stress, stress, stress. And then I can tell straight away these sensors start to just go like mad my shoulder is throbbing i can i felt my face especially this week and we're in july 2023 at the moment but it could be the same in july 2024 and 25 that sort of feeling where i'm not at work properly and not in routine it, you know i can start to feel all the senses start to kick in so to try and prepare myself I, I need to get these other things in place and this is why we need support networks around us but it's and a lot of people you know when I said like in the insight section we can do self-care we can do all these other things I've noticed that as well you know my morning routine can go out the window and the reason for that is because I'm not in a good space but the vicious cycle is if you don't do your morning routine if you don't do your fitness if you don't eat healthily then you're not going to be in a good space so it's this weird, strange, vicious cycle. And I know my senses will become much more overwhelmed if I'm not taking care of myself. And because I'm feeling like this, you know, and it's really like overpowering, when you start to then build it back up and you're like, it feels like the first day at the gym again. And it feels like the first day at when you're doing, I don't know, a diet when you're fasting or whatever it is, you're just like, oh, you feel horrendous and then you and you start it and you keep getting a consistency and then you fall off the cliff and then you start it back up again and you're back at the day one of gym and all that sort of stuff but it's this maintenance it's this consistency and that's why i think um it's really hard i it's really hard to self-regulate myself and i i'm getting better at it and i think the more people you can speak to you know the medication, all sorts of other stuff. Um, you know, I've got my official assessment for ADHD in September and then I've got my autism one later in the year. And, you know, I, I've, I've been told by psychiatrists and all sorts of stuff, I've got ADHD and autism. And, you know, so I have um, at the moment probably, you know, self-diagnosed myself and I know I know I've got them and, and the, the, the assessments and things are formality. Uh, to be able to get medication and I'm you know I'm hoping with the try to you know I'm hoping for that period where you're experimenting with the meds and things it can help with situations with sensory overload and this is why this podcast is a chronicle's journey it's like giving you a snapshot of from unaware to aware from untreated to treated from you know undiagnosed to diagnosed now I'm diagnosed with dyslexia so I am a neurodivergent musician but for those other things like ADHD and autism it's just a waiting game and um and then it's just trying to find out more about yourself the labels do not matter uh, that's not that's not what it's about because uh, a lot of people are still like oh why would you want to be labeled you know labeled like that it would just we're just a person it's more to be able to get the treatment because I sort of feeling with sensory stuff or, or any situation, really, when we talk about hyper-focus and RSD and things, 
medication won't be able to solve all of it, but it'll help with the focus and concentration. And that focus and concentration can work on those periods of like, well, you've got no work during this time, or you're not doing this, or you're not, you're not doing this with your family and things as well. And that's because of a lack of focus and concentration. And it's not going to solve all the problems, but maybe those are the starting triggers for when I do start getting sensory overload. We also know that, you know, with my wife and children, they are starting to recognize that the car journeys are an issue. So we need to take more breaks and I need to go for a walk for like five, 10 minutes when we, uh, when we stop or when we're in the house and maybe, you know, we're in the wrong room or in the wrong, wrong environment. You know, I found like deep conversations I've got to have with my wife that sometimes at home is not the right place. But actually, when we've gone out for the day and we've gone out to a completely different location, which could, in theory, trigger lots of sensory overload, but actually we've been able to open up a lot more. And it's just change of change of scene, change of environment. That doesn't mean that it's not going to happen in regards to the sensory overload. It just means that we're taking ourselves away from the craziness uh, and you know, just enjoying a day really. So I also feel the fatigue that you get, especially with loud noises, you know, I, I, and I've spoken about this before, but we, you know, when you're teaching in schools and then you've got during break, and then you've got one room where someone is smashing the drums and someone else is playing a whittling all over a guitar and then someone's playing piano and then someone's talking and someone's laughing and all these other things, even though someone's not in my practice room, you know, that is incredibly overwhelming. When you're in a, a studio and, or a rehearsal studio, you know, if you're in a rehearsal studio with a band, that can be incredibly noisy. But if you can hear the surrounding, you know, rehearsal rooms, and that's noisy as well. When you go to a venue, you know, you can have lots and lots of people. And that can be incredibly overwhelming and it can increase the senses and i think I, I don't know which one triggers first sometimes it's my shoulder and then it then can trigger my hearing then can go into my smell and you know sight etc uh, etc et and temperature and touch as well so when we're in a conversation at home and my my son will jump on me and he wants to uh you know piggybacks and stuff as well i'm i'm there i'm fun dad i'm, I'm that all the time but when i got, start to go into sensory overload i can't handle it and um i feel gutted because i want to be that i want to be that person for him and for my daughter all the time it's just you know you have a bottle of energy a pocket of sort of energy before all the senses start to kick in and i think you know one of the reasons why we got this office in the garden i used to i used to work in a third room in our in our house which has now become one of my children's rooms and i was trying to do all these videos for an online course during the summer and it was like 30 to 40 degrees and i start doing it and then you hear the lawnmower go off outside you start hearing people's you know kicking around a ball and screaming you start hearing the car and you've got all the windows open and i was getting incredibly irate 
it was incredibly stressful and I wasn't getting paid for this. I was doing it all off my own back because I wanted to sell courses and stuff. So it was just pressure, pressure, pressure. And also waiting for everybody to go out the house, to be able to do this. And then when you hear the car start reversing the drive, it would trigger incredible stress, which would trigger all the senses. So by the time they came in, I wasn't in a happy place. And I don't know why I put myself in that situation, but I think it's the unawareness of it. I think that's what it was. Um, but also knowing that, you know, when you've got emotions, feelings and thoughts going on internally, that's like an internal waltz. And it's the same with maybe your senses as well. That physical sensations, when you know they're going off, <laughs> it's like a, a sensory waltz going on in my face in regards to smell and hearing and things. And trying to step away from that, you know, from a bird's eye point of view. So you've got this kind of, sensory stuff going on you've got this internal stuff going on and you're trying to rise above it and it's almost like when i was talking about in depression with the starlings it feels a bit like that sometimes and the sensory overload actually feels like a flock of starlings because they're hitting you in the face and <laughs> and they're rushing past and you've got you're just and then sometimes you get so much overwhelmed that someone's trying to talk to you and you just can't hear anything. You, it's just distortion. It's like you've put on the distorted pedal when someone's starting to talk to you. And to try and sort of rein your thoughts back and focus on that person, that's even harder. And, you know, everyone has this in regards to stress and anxiety. It's not just neurodivergence, but I think with the neurodiversity, it just amplifies it you know, by three or four times. And I don't like going to supermarkets. I don't like going to town. I don't like doing these things. And I know the convenience of these big online stores, you know, and whether you talk about tax and all, all sorts of other stuff, you know, it's that convenience of ordering something without having to go through that craziness. You know, we've done like online shopping with supermarkets where they deliver it to your door. And I was like, ah, oh, no, I can't do that. I'll, I'll just go to a supermarket and do it. And then I realized when I went there, because I hadn't, you know, structured the shopping list for different departments, I was going back and forth, back and forth to all these areas and not being able to find the thing. And then straight away when that stress kicks in, I was like, oh, hang on a minute. I'm starting to smell the this department, like this, this aisle here. Oh, look. The, the hearing sensory has gone straight through the roof. Uh, that battery taste in my mouth starts starting to happen. Oh, I've got that pain in my shoulder. And then I learned something great from a Dr. Chatterjee uh, podcast the other day about sort of the double breath, where you breathe in through your mouth as if you're just about to hold your breath. And then you inhale through your nose immediately and then breathe out. So that little inhale you do through your nose and then you exhale, it's, it can apparently, you know, dissolve stress and anxiety and, and all those other things. And I've been testing out all these different techniques and methods because they're simple little things that you can carry around, little, little tiny things. Um, but they don't work all the time. Sometimes you need a stress ball. Sometimes you need a fidget toy. And I have, um, I have a little mini Rubik's cube that I carry on my keys. And I use that in little situations. And the goal is I don't, I don't use it to complete it. 
because once I get into the game of trying to complete a Rubik's Cube, then I'm in gamification. I'm in trying to complete a project and that's not what it's for. Sometimes what I try and do is just line up like one line of colors and, or I'm just twisting it as a fidget toy because I'm trying to de-stress and that's what I use it for. And I've had lots of people take it and, oh, maybe we'll find a, a technique, or we'll find an app or my children want to complete it. And I'm like, that's not what it's for. It's simply for me to just twist it around. And if I complete a line, that is a mini win. I'm not there to try and complete the whole thing. I know myself as well. Once I get in a rabbit hole trying to complete a Rubik's Cube, I'll have to take the Rubik's Cube off my keys because I will keep going to my keys to try and complete it. And that will make me even more stressed. And I'm, not, I'm not in, you know, I'm not in that for that. So there's environments, there's situations. You know, when we're going over to a friend's house, when we're going over to, um, you know, and I think I spoke about this in a previous podcast, my, my wife's family had this big occasion uh, get together every year. I think it's twice a year. And there's a lot of people there and a lot, lot of loving people as well. And that can be massive sensory overload and social overload, which I'm going to go through in the next episode. You know, and social overload is where, you know, when you've got so many people around you and you feel crowded and that's where the sensory can start to kick in. So these are kind of intertwined with social overload and sensory overload. And I, this is why I go and I wander off and I can go and play my guitar or I pop on my headphones or I start doing my Rubik's Cube or I start doing something and I've noticed it in, in my children, they, they have the same thing with sensory overload and they come over to me and it, and I kind of sit there as a comfort of, it's okay. Do you know what? Pop on my headphones, listen to whatever it is and put your head down for a minute because you just need to recharge. And I know now that I have, you know, I have a small bottle of of that energy when I'm, when I'm in that sense, in that environment. So if I'm in a shopping center or I'm in a, whatever it is, I can only be in here for a certain amount of time before my senses start to spark. And, and that can also be the opposite if I'm in a, in a, an incredibly relaxing situation. So I could be in a, I went, we stayed in a, an Airbnb on the Isle of Wight. But the thing is, is that we're used to living just on the opposite side of the M25 in the UK. So you get to hear this little airstream all the time at night or during the day. And when you go and stay in somewhere and it's completely dead, I, it's like I, I need like a little bit of white noise or I need a little bit of noise to be able to help me go to sleep or to be able to focus. So it's weird. You're kind of, you, you know, it's almost like that dead noise or that, you know, overwhelming noise is somewhere in the middle. Bit of a Goldilocks uh, scenario there. But I haven't tried weighted blankets and compression clothing. I really want to try that down the line. I'm, you know, it's, uh, I've got a big birthday this year, so I'm just trying to sort of think what I really need. But a weighted blanket is something that I've always wanted. I think that would be great for, for overwhelm. And what I tend to do, actually, I take myself to a dark room and I just put my head on the sofa. And then my wife walks in because it's dark and I'm there. It's an indicator. All right. He's, he needs to be alone right now uh, and that doesn't mean that I'm in a dark space or I'm in a dark period it just means I need to just be alone and recharge and 
I think we all need this. This is why they talk about afternoon naps and all sorts of stuff. Because, you know, and especially if you're a parent, you know, you you have work, you're running your own business, you're trying to, you know, find finances, you're trying to run life, you're trying to be sociable, you're trying to do all these things. And it just doesn't work sometimes. And we're we're a kind of in a household at the moment we're in sort of transition we're trying to make it more neurodivergent friendly um and with visuals and things as well and we're working towards that it's not an overnight thing but you know you sometimes you can change the light bulbs we might be able to change the light bulbs to something a bit warmer or whatever it is the more awareness we have the more we can educate ourselves about all these things the easier it will get so when we do go into, you know, environments where it's, you know, the light is overpowering, I will wear sunglasses. Or if I go into it and it's really noisy, like supermarkets now, I'll take my noise cancelling headphones and I put on Tide, which will be the sound of waves uh, or a podcast episode. Um, or, you know, if if the smell gets more intense, basically, I, I don't really do a lot in that situation. I try and actually I do. I have chewing gum. So the great thing about chewing gum and menthol chewing gum is you get that obviously sensation go through your nose and you'll be able to taste something that, you know, <laughs> it's, it tastes of mint, basically. Um, and I find the chewing helps. And it can also uh, interrupt the hearing uh, and my thought process as well, because you get that chamming noise. Uh, it doesn't really work when you've got noise cancelling headphones all the time, because if you start chewing, it can start interfering with the, the the sound of it. But it's just things like that. And because I can't teleport to my guitar all the time. I just, you know, unless I've got other people running my life, which is not realistic. But, and obviously the Rubik's Cube can help. I... I've got, um, my wife bought me a pair of these things called loops, which are earplugs and normal traditional earplugs. You know, those foamy ones you stick in your ears, they don't stay in. And also they cut out a ton of noise and they're not very practical. They're very cheap. Whereas these loops, you know, they can just slot into your ears and they cut out a certain amount of decibels. So you can go to a concert and still hear you know, the the full energy and magic of the music you're listening to, but you won't hear all the high frequencies, you know, such as the cymbals and other things or the amplification. And I've used it in the car. You know, what we have started doing in the car now is I, I start putting a podcast on whilst I drive. So I put it one earplug in my left ear. So I can still hear things going on with my right but my left here is the one that's going to have sensory overload because obviously to my left is my wife and then behind me is my children. Whereas I can hear everything with my right ear, but I've got this podcast going on. It doesn't work all the time, but you know I use the loops sometimes as well because it cuts out a certain amount of decibels. But I think it's now trying to have like an SOS package. So when you're in the car, you're like, these are the things I need to be able to get me through the journey. Because I prefer to drive than be the passenger because I get overwhelmed with children and, and other things going on. And I don't have, I need a goal. I need I need to be behind the driving wheel to go, right, this is, this is my role, basically. 
Um, and I think it's those other areas of life that we need that as well. So anyway, that is my improvised babble on sensory overload. Uh, we've got a Facebook group, which is the Neurodivergent Musicians. Please come and join it and let us know your thoughts about sensory overload. Do you suffer from it? What sense is more heightened than the others? Do you have any sort of techniques or tips to help you get over sensory overload? Um, yeah come and let us know your thoughts about that and uh, also just come and connect with us as a community love to hear from you i want to build up a community of neurodivergent musicians and and neurodivergents who love music so anyway that is it for the improvised amber section i'll see you in the green section for a recommendation Okay, so we're into the green section. I'm going to make this very quick as we're getting into the 40 minute mark. Um, but basically, there are lots of different things, but I think the earplugs and the noise cancelling headphones are a great shout. So head on over to, you know, a website. You can go to Google and just type in loops, you know, earplugs. I think they now do earplugs for lots of different sort of scenarios. Um, but I got the ones, I think, for events. Um, but you can get those. And then the great thing about the loops, they have a, a little case that it comes with it. And then with a sort of an elastic loop. And what I've done is put it on my keys, you know, my house keys. So I carry around them all the time. I, you know, there is object permanence. There is this sort of case that I forget about them, but actually when I come into a loud, loud place, I go, Oh, actually I need my loops. So you might be able to tag it onto something's just starting to build or I'm going into a noisy environment. Can I use anything here? Oh, I've got my loops on me. They're brilliant. So you can carry around them all the time. What I have started doing now is I have a set of uh, Bluetooth buds in my car at all times. So I can carry those around with me. So when I do go into sensory overload, I can listen to something. But what I do like to carry around with me and once you get over that fear of people looking at you uh, is noise cancelling headphones. And I haven't got the expensive pair because I know with my neurodivergent brain that if I get something expensive, I start getting the Apple ones or if I start getting whatever it is, Sony, Sennheiser, da, 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 whatever it is, and I'm getting into the hundreds mark, I'm, I'm going to lose them. I'm going to destroy them. And also there's that kind of like protection element of it. You, I, I start protecting it. So what I've done, I just went to good old Amazon and I just typed it in and I got, I got a set for like 35 quid and I haven't looked back. Once I got that thought out of my head that I need noise cancelling headphones, I thought, oh, I'll just try a cheap pair. And actually they're brilliant. I was just like, you know, I could get you know, the noise cancelling setting where it absolutely cuts out every single sound. But sometimes you need a bit of a murmur because, you know, if you if you don't know what's going on or there's, I don't know, um, my kids come to me and I've got noise cancelling headphones on, uh, you know, it could completely startle me. Um, so these ones have got a little switch that go from sort of normal sounding headphones and you flick it and it just cuts out a frequency. It's not completely noise cancelling, but you know, I haven't tried the, the most expensive ones yet, but I've had this pair for about six months and yeah, I'm absolutely fine with them. Charge them up, go out. But I know if I lose them or dent them, it's, it's, 
you know, 35 quid, 35 quid is 35 quid. But still, I'm like, it's not a massive loss compared to if I spent three to four hundred pounds, you know. So anyway, noise cancelling headphones, you can go and check out, go to Google, find out what the top 10 are. Actually, some of those 35 pound pairs have gone into the top 10. So definitely a winner or loops with, you know, the uh, the noise cancelling sort of ear earplugs. They only cut out a certain amount of decibels, but they're really useful as well. So that is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to hearing. Thanks so much for checking out this episode. I look for. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. Come and join our Facebook group, which is the Neurodivergent Musicians. And I'll see you in the next episode. Cheers. Take care. Bye.